Welcome to Lost Man Standing, the podcast where we explore spirituality, ecology, and sex through the lens of the sacred masculine. I am your host and guide, Rainier Wild, manthropologist at large, discovering real conversations with real men in extraordinary contexts, all the good things together with you. Oh man, it has been quite the week. It's been a lot of fun actually, fielding your comments, getting to know some of you. You have been awesome. I have heard from so many of you this week and here's what I can tell you. You are smarter than most audiences. I believe it. Absolutely. You are smarter. You're more educated. You're well-read. You're experienced. You've done shit. I am proud to be in dialogue with you. And one more thing, thank God you have a sense of humor. You get it. You get it. Ah, oh, man. Pro bros don't. No humor there. No humor. They take themselves too seriously. It's a problem, though, with the masculine. I gotta say, the masculine is very focused. Our energy is very unidirectional. Will lock you down. Wants to put you under a concrete vault. Um... Yeah, men don't really do well with third spaces either. You know what I mean? That that kind of third space, there's work and then there's sleep, being unconscious, but not play. Men don't really do play. You know, it's like you go home and you work in the shop a little and then you and then you do some some work with your family and then you you do some more work to please your wife and god, you're always working. And then you're sleeping. There's got to be a place in between. Men need to cultivate a middle space of play. We have to. I think that this is actually one of the problems with civilization itself. Honestly, I can't help but wonder if this is a bit of a 6,000-year-old issue that lies within the realm of the civilization project. When you hear anthropologists talk about hunter-gatherers, sometimes they're actually called the original affluent societies, and it's because they spend less than 18% of their time, often, in sustenance work, (laughs) providing food, making sure that they have what they need for survival. They're not spending a lot of time doing that. Their needs are primarily taken care of. What are they doing the rest of the time? They're interacting with each other. They're, they're free thinking, daydreaming, they're having fun. Oh my God. Did you know that up until six to 8,000 years ago, 100% of humans were hunter-gatherers? It's just been the last 6,000 years that we have become the, the humorless, funless work fiends that we are. <laughs> I think we might need to unlearn something here. And it's getting harder and harder to do culturally. But we need it. Come on, men. This is something that we need to rally around here and get used to. So here's a suggestion. And I didn't invent this. I didn't come up with this. I didn't monetize this. There are pro bros out there right now who will sell you this tip. I'm going to give it to you for free. When you wake up in the morning, fucking do a steamroller across your partner, your girlfriend, your wife. Tickle her. Do something. Make her laugh. And I get it. If you wake up at 5 in the morning and and you have to go to work and she doesn't get up till 8, she's going to be pissed at you. But she might laugh too. Have a little enjoyment. She's not going to know who you are. 
She's going to say, what got into you? My gosh, you want to have fun. Who the hell is this? Look, you will thank me for this. Try it. Go ahead. Try having a little fun. Stop being so serious all the time. (sighs) Men need to cultivate a place between. That's what I'm trying to say here. It's interesting. As I take a view of the manosphere, one of the things that I am hearing so much is what makes a man? How can I be a man? And I have been thinking lately that even defining this, continually asking this question is sort of a form of, um, oh, what would be the word? Domesticating, civilizing, casting, you know, like when you when you shape an arm, when you put the bone back into socket and you shape that arm into just how it should look, that's what's happening. We're having a structure put around us that's shaping us. We're being formed here. We're being domesticated. Here's how it works. Good men who have worshipped the goddess their whole life, their mom, their girlfriends, their wives, they start to realize that they've been pushed around their whole lives and they don't want to be anymore. They want to be their own fucking man. So they get out their computer, they get out their iPhone and they Google how to be a man. And they pull up a great website filled with dummies guides for masculinity and they're off and running. But what's happening? They're just obeying another set of rules. They're just checking the boxes. They're just playing someone else's game again. You know what the hard work of the sacred masculine actually is? It's pausing for a minute and waking up to your own definition of inner manhood. Stop playing by someone else's rules. Look, you can't be a gentleman until you learn how to be dangerous. It's dangerous to actually come up with an off-the-grid answer that isn't following someone else's rules or conceptions. And that's what I want to challenge you to do. Stop asking what does it mean to be a man and start being a man by actually embracing that part of you that is wild and that is free. That's how you're going to evolve. Yeah, okay. I'm done with my rant. The podcast we have for you is really fun today. I am really excited about it. In this podcast, I call it the Menage a Trois podcast. in part because we actually do talk about past sexual experience. Just open disclaimer right there. But it is also a three-way between myself, Rainier Wild, Drew, and Nick. And uh, we we cover a lot of terrain. I do have a few um, candid admissions. First of all, I make the statement that Billy Corgan owns the WWE, Billy Corgan of the Smashing Pumpkins. This is not true. He actually owns the NWA, which is also a wrestling association. So I was I was partially right. I also could not remember the band that opened for the Smashing Pumpkins at this most recent tour. It was metric. I called it a chick band, which it is, but it is also metric. Um... We also talk about gen blossom noses. Uh, Nobody knew what that was on the podcast. I tried to put forward the idea that it came when you drink too much gin. Turns out it's not just gin, it's alcohol in general. And it's the red dots that do cover the face and the noses. um, And it does tend to mark the faces of heavy drinkers. So 
You know, what else do we talk about? We talk about the stuff that makes you masculine. We talk about um, male biological impulses towards strength and courage. Drew actually has a, a great perspective that he shares uh, that virtuous things, are they're things you idealize, you intend, but then you practice and prepare for them and you keep practicing and you keep practicing and then you execute them. And when the time comes, you're ready. And I love that. We talk about uh, physical strength being tied to mental toughness, about balance, if we have inherent biases towards one or the other. Um, do we farm out strength and violence as a society? Are we less mentally tough as a society? The illusion of social media friendships. A lot of different things here. We, we also talk a little bit about are we prepared to defend our families? Um, I... By the way, we talk a little bit about gun violence versus physical strength and safety. In this particular conversation, Nick makes a statement that I react to, uh, talking about some fears of mass shootings and how awful it would be, and of course it would be awful. I then say mass shootings are as likely to happen to you as getting struck by lightning. I want to just admit that is incorrect. You have a 1 in 11,125 chance of, of being involved in a mass shooting, uh, which is not as likely as being struck by lightning. It is, however, almost as likely as to die by electrocution, heat pressure, or radiation, or uh, dying by being hit on a bicycle is infinitely more likely. So not very likely in the grand scheme of things. Still, I was inaccurate in that. Um, we do get to this point though, in the conversation where we talk about being so terrified that masculinity will destroy us as a culture, that our culture is, is cutting off the masculine, isolating, punishing, medicating, quarantining, vilifying. And that the role of men is changing in an ever-shaping way. And we're so confused. That's why going back to where I started, we keep on asking the question, what do I need to do to be a man? Right? We're terrified. We don't know what to be or how to be. Um, I, would, I would push the point per forward that the way to be men the way to, to actually step into the roles that we want is to begin to march to the beat of our own drum, to begin to listen to our own inner wisdom and to find that space somewhere between the wild, the forest, and the village, <laughs> right? That dangerous role in the middle, somewhere that is that barbarian center that I talk about. Uh, Full disclosure, we also talk a little bit about Lyndon Baines Johnson, the president of the United States, his giant cock named Jumbo. I did want you to know that this is not a child-friendly podcast. If you like to gather your family around, your nine-year-old, your seven-year-old, your three-year-old, and you're like, let's listen to the Lost Man Standing Family Hour. Look, that's a horrible idea. That is not this podcast, okay? Honestly... If that's you, I don't know if there's hope for you. I'm just, I'm just saying that right now. <laughs> just joking. I know that a lot of you are, um, are very passionate. You're very articulate, and I am so grateful to, to uh, be in the position of, of 
candidly having these conversations and sharing them with you. I think what is so amazing about about Last Man Standing and getting to share these things is that it it presents the conversations as they really happen in the wild, right? Sometimes we we zone into podcasts and they are hyper focused, intense. You know, you can get one of the pro bros talking and he's just like seven minutes of pure firing, blistering inferno anger. We are sinners in the hands of an angry God and we must pump weights if we ever want to see the success that we are missing in every area of our life. Right? Okay, that's great. But I think in the wild, the most meaningful conversations happen at a table or in some comfy chairs or outside by a campfire with friends, comrades, people who are a part of the same tribe, people who identify with each other. And they're exploring these issues from real places. Honestly, they may be expert status in many ways, or they may be just ordinary guys. The point is that they're having extraordinary conversations. And that's what I think these are. And and candidly, that's what the conversations I've been having together with you this week are. And I absolutely love it. I'm so honored by the stories you're sharing with me. I want to ask you to do something for me, if you would. Would you take the time, if this has been valuable to you, if this has been enjoyable to you, if there is any part of you that finds benefit in the Last Man Standing podcast or the EvolvingWild.Live website, Would you migrate over to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already, and then rate it. It allows you to choose one through five stars. Go ahead and give it a rating, five stars, and then write a simple review. It can be a couple of words, that was amazing, or it can be a longer paragraph, that was amazing, and I continue to want to emulate and honor this. It will be a part of my life at infinitum, etc., etc., etc. You get the idea. Go ahead and leave either a rating or a review or both. That would mean so much to this podcast and your support, honestly. I think in order to get our message out there to more men and continue to have these conversations together with others, we're going to continue to have to add to that section. So thank you so much for doing that. I really appreciate it. Share it with your friends. Go ahead and tell others about it. Um, And we're going to be delivering up some pretty cool content in the next couple of weeks. Was able to knock out several podcasts this week and we'll be issuing them to you in the coming days. Thanks so much again for listening, and as always, stay cool. Bye-bye. Maybe you could tell me what you think is going on. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain. But you feel it. You felt it your entire life. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. This life's hard, man, but it's harder if you're stupid. I've been around, you know. There was a time I could see, and I have seen, but there is nothing like the sight of an amputated spirit. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward, how much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Today, woo, I've got to stop and profile like never before to be the man you gotta beat the man and i'm saying woo right here
I'm the man. This will be this will be an interesting um, podcast because it's a menage a trois. Mm. There's what three. Is, there's is, three of us, and not the good way. Are you not familiar with? I that? have no idea. So every time I was saying in the text the menage a trois, you didn't know. No, I, I knew. Yes, I'm, I'm waiting for you to explain it. Oh, okay. A menage a trois is a three-way. It, Drew's never heard of it. He, I'm not editing. He he probably he's heard of it. He just wants you to over-explain it. Have 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 any has anyone here actually had a three-way? No, I have. Two of them. Well, is not this doesn't tonight. count? No, no, for real. No. Oh, and can I you. can I tell you this? Yeah, please. Eight of them. Huh. Mm, did not pressure? like them. Wow. No. They, what was the ratio? This is going to sound really asinine. They were too into me. What does that mean? It was two girls? You. Right. Me and two girls. Okay. They were too into me. I, I, I in that moment, I was younger. I was much younger. <laughs> this was Thursday. This was last <laughs> week. No, I, I wanted them to, you know, I wanted it to be a round uh. robin, and it wasn't. It's it was just a, about you. It, wasn't it was about a them. no holds bar. It was a it was a WWF no holds bar. Do they do that in the WWF? Yes. Yeah. It was like that. I think they call it different names now though. Not Menage. Hell in the Cell. <laughs> Doesn't Billy Corgan from Smashing Pumpkins own like the WWE or something like that? No. Yes, he does. Jamie, can you Google this? Got it. Just joking. There's no. We don't have a Jamie yet. 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 You have a computer in but front I can't, of you. But well, I can't. We do wait. have a computer. <laughs> click, 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 click. Right here. <laughs> just click, 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 click. That noise is just Tic Tacs moving. Yeah, around. don't worry about it. <laughs> it's not even uh, me typing. Yeah, so that's what a menage a trois is. <clears throat> it's a, it's a three-way, I think, in the French. Okay. Too much pressure, man. A lot of pressure. Mm. Hard to perform. Well, literally. For some people. Uh, not not, me, not, not I. Not I. I sorry. This, I, I done just fine. This I, have, I have so many questions. Do you? You can ask them. What oils did so, you use? <laughs> can't answer that. What candle scents did you have? Oh. Couldn't there have been some direction? I mean, if they're too like, into you, okay. I could have said, hey, get into each other. Okay, that felt... <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. Okay, but here's the deal. I could have, but they made it very clear. Before, after, or during? At all points. Oh, okay. they know each other? That they were not into each other. Oh. They were friends. What the hell are they doing in the same room, then? It is a really good question. This reminds me of the 50s. Have you seen those, you know, like, even in old Disney movies... Couples would be making out right next to other couples at a drive-in. Have you seen the in the forties? What Disney movies thing. are you watching? That darn cat. That's that. Haley Mills. <laughs> that darn cat. And there's couples making out, literally Paris? making out next to each other, necking. Okay, you're in your, you're in a car though, next to another couple making out. Yeah. The car next to you. Yeah, it's no. in a car. No, no. Your friends who you came with are in the front seat. Oh, They're making out. The back seat. You're in the back gotcha. seat making out. I could not do that. Mm. But let's go over cars in the 50s. They we were, were literally a couch in the back. They were huge. Yeah. <laughs> Gigantic. I know. We were actually just at a, uh, a car show uh, downtown. Just It was like they closed off three blocks. So cool seeing some of those old cars. I love it. I know. It's great. What's your favorite car? Mm. Either of you. I don't like cars. Favorite. You don't like cars. Oh, they're they're a mode of transportation. I don't. Mm. They're not that exciting to me. Wow. 
This no. is gonna hit Nick the wrong way. Nick is smoking no. a 12-inch no. Gandalf-like pipe. I supplied him with his first run. Is some good. He has some good suction. Thank you. Gandalf or Nick? A little bit of both. <laughs> That's in, the other three way that in, you were a part of. Interesting. <laughs> Drew's like, what did I sign up for tonight? This is not the man cast I signed up for. <laughs> so you're not a car guy, though. I never knew that. Not particularly, no. Huh. Spend my money other ways. You're a car guy, though, Nick. I love him. What's your favorite, though? Oh, God. My favorite car ever? Ever, all time. Mm. James Bond Aston's pretty nice. Wow. I like old cars. I'm Green? Not, I'm not super into... And that one's got to be silver, right? Oh, yeah, that's silver. It has to be silver. I like cars from, like, movies. From the film. Yeah, like Steve McQueen bullet. Mm, or Great Eleanor. Car. Great Eleanor. Great car. <sighs> Wait, what's Eleanor? Gone, Gone in 60, 60 seconds. seconds. Oh, oh Nick Come Cage. On, oh, yeah. God, modern day... Modern day Sean Connery, really. I do. I don't mind him. Really, I think a lot of people don't like him. Though. I can't stand him. Do your oh. best. Do your best Nick Cage impression. Um. Uh, okay. Here, here's, uh, here's from here's from Gun in sixty seconds. He's talking to the tow truck guy. Yeah. And he's in a diner. And he goes, uh, "How how do I how do I how do I how do I do how do I start how do I get it?" The guy's like, "We well, gotta go to truck driving school." He's all, "Yeah, truck driving school. Cool. <laughs> That's it." <laughs> it's dumb. It was a dumb. Oh yeah, yeah. Face so Drew's roll. doing Drew's doing the let's roll the frantic oh. hand jazz hands oh, and then let's roll. Right. Yeah. Also, who I love in that movie is um, Angelina Jolie. No. Mm. Who's the older guy? Who's uh, damn it? Sean Connery. No. I've already said him twice, like three times. I don't remember his name. Okay, let's go back to Angelina Place Jolie. Place a comment below. What do you think about the fact? that she preemptively had a double mastectomy. Preemptively. Are you familiar with this? Mm -hmm. Is there something in her family? Yeah. Well, she did a genetic test, okay. and, and it showed a screening, mm. and it showed that in her family there was a uh, predilection towards breast uh, cancer. Okay. She cut off her breasts. This is recently? Nah, five to ten years. Oh, okay. But uh, what do you feel about that? Hey, I don't care. Whatever. Hey, hey, you could get real sick in your leg someday. Yeah. Cut it off. <laughs> get rid of it. Don't need that anymore. Well, I think uh, I think probably depends on the the body part <laughs> and who you are. But if I'm Angelina Jolie, I'm not cutting off my breasts. Why? She's done what she needs to do <laughs> in her life. She's done. It's a good point. Right. Yeah. What else is she gonna do? She has nothing to prove. Nothing. Wow. You make good points tonight. We've been oh. talking for seven minutes. Let's go. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> Moving on. Um, yeah, I just think, I mean, obviously a leg is very different than, I mean, I, I could imagine. She's had her kids. And okay, let me Wait, check. does she have any, now, does she have any of her kids? How do I say that? How do I say that? Yeah, I, don't, I think she's adopted them. All adopted them. Oh okay. my God, it's a hurricane right yeah. now. Wow. Oh, Wendy. Yeah, it's one of the hazards of recording in the forest. Mm. Yeah. Hey. Okay, but let me put it to you this way. If if you knew that you were going to get mm, prostate cancer, mm -hmm. or that you had the, the possible chance, maybe your dad had gotten it, mm -hmm. and your uncle, yeah, 
and your great uncle. Yeah. Let's just really ratchet All of them? it up. Let's ratchet it up. Why not? Big why, chances. Sure. Why, so. why wouldn't you get rid of it? Would you get rid of it? Why not? You're in for it. Well, I don't want cancer. As of right now, you would. Well, I guess it depends on what the what, the, what are the possibilities. Yeah. Um, it's an eighty percent odds that mm. I'm going to get cancer. Eighty percent odds that you will get prostate cancer. Oh man, that is a tough question. So it's a toss-up whether really you is. would now. I with, lose my what testosterone. Yeah. You're weighing. You're an American man. It's probably low anyway. <laughs> it's so true. Right. And I eat a lot of every day. What's up with that? Yeah, well, we're on high-fat diets, so yeah. we're not... We... We're just going up in testosterone. Why? Does that matter? High-fat diets, you it, it builds oh. testosterone. And actually, you're going up in testosterone, Drew, because you are working out quite a bit. Yeah. You're getting swolled. Swolled. Gun show. You're Walk. a swolly mammoth. Walked I, in. I wouldn't show you right now. Han Swolo. We don't need to see. We know. You can mm, see it through we my can envision. <laughs> We can envision. Mm. I gotta say, two years ago, when I met Drew... You were smaller. Mm. Now, you are swollen. What do you think about that? Not in a bad. Not in a bad. No, way. no, no. Yeah. Not, you didn't get fat. I not like it like when men a, tell me that. Your muscles are big. Yeah. And not like. It feels good. You're drunken, swollen. No. You know, like red, puffy. Oh. <laughs> the gin nose. <laughs> the likes. The like gin Santa blossom. Claus. <laughs> yeah. Is Santa Claus always drunk? He drinks. Is it specifically gin that makes the nose go bulbous like that? I thought it was just alcohol. Isn't that called a gin blossom? Jamie! Jamie! I think he took the night off. He's at lunch. Damn it. (laughs) The gin blossom, though. It was a good band, too. I love the gin blossoms. My uh, 13-year-old kid and I, uh, we went to uh, see Smashing Pumpkins on Saturday night. Really? First time that that many members of the original band had toured since Bill Clinton was president. Who opened for him? Oh, God. It was a chick band. Huh. Turns out not politically correct to call them chick bands anymore, my 13-year-old told me. Hmm. Well, cause what chick, do you call them? Because well, chicks are chickens. I guess a female band? Hmm. A band fronted by a, a person identifying as a female? Um, well, a long, I'm not, that's a long I'm title. Not, it's I'm a not doing that. Chick band. I refuse to. Who anyway. was it? I don't know. Oh, well, we weren't there. Damn it. Anyway... Three Great and a show. half hours. Three and a half hours. What's their best song? Uh, the world is a vampire. Great song. Da, 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 da. Or emptiness is emptiness is cleanliness and God is empty just like me. me. It's so good. It's a good one. It's got a great voice. Billy, Very different. Billy Corgan. No yeah. one sounds like him. no one. Yeah, no one it was cool though. You know, honestly, oh, I had a really cool moment. Fairly drunk woman sitting next to my son, oh, okay. just pounding the beers with mm. her date. I liked to fantasize that this was their first date because they were awkward around each other Love it. and getting hammered. Love it. And <clears throat> trying to numb it. She was watching my son and I quite mm. a bit. Mm. And eventually, she leans over and kind to of slut to my son mm-hmm. and slashingly whispers to him. Is that your dad? Just like that. And he looks... Because it was super loud because it's drunk whisper. <laughs> totally the drunk It's like whisper. the same volume as, I don't know, yelling. And he's like, it stinks, dad. But anyway, she says to him, <laughs> it smells of shame, dad. <laughs> shame and regret. So she, uh, she says, uh, 
is that your dad? And he says, yeah, it's my dad. And she goes, it's so beautiful watching you. And, and he says to me, dad, can we go to the bathroom? And like, we go to the bathroom, he goes, I think she has a van without windows. <laughs> He's like, it's so creepy that she's watching us. But you know, it wasn't because on the way out, she looked over at me and then her man did too and said, good job, dad. They were, they thought it was so cool yeah. that a father and son were enjoying each other. <laughs> I wish she would have looked at you just from afar and went, wink. <laughs> Menage a trois. Just thumbs up. Good job, Dad. Oh, right. That would have been way better. I'm not having any luck finding who the chick band was. Uh, oh, he was. Anyhow, <laughs> Drew was searching. I have a story about the Moda Center. It used to be the Rose Garden, Rose Quarter. That's right. No, it's the Moda Center. Um, I worked there for for about a year when I moved to Portland. You worked there? I worked there. I, w I would usher people to their seats. I would make really? sure. Yeah. yeah. Wow, was it fun? Yeah, I got to see a lot of good I, shows. I, I saw show, a lot of shows. Yeah. I was, from you to me, Yeah. Um, three, four feet from Taylor Swift. Whoa. Oh my God. I told, I told one of my girls that today and she, her mind her exploded. She, she loved had, it. Could, oh, couldn't imagine. Um, She's talented. So I was at Is an she? event. I think so. Why do you think that? Because I've heard it from other people. <laughs> <laughs> that know it's her? It's classic. Do they know her or <laughs> they just no. listen to her CD? Classic Rainier. She's super talented. Oh, isn't she though? She's oh, like, I don't know. She, she writes her own songs. She was a no, great she does, performer. She, she collaborates on her own songs. <laughs> There's 20 writers. Okay. No, 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 no. Right? They're all about ex-boyfriends. Oh, yeah. Her you, love life is a wreck. You okay. So, um, I was outside of the main venue. Mm. Had a gal run out to me. At the Taylor Swift concert? No, Metallica. Even better. Nice. It was great. That was a fantastic show. They're super show. talented. Guys. Oh, they're they great write their life. songs. I've heard of them. <laughs> Have you? No. She's crying. The Metallica singer? No, the gal who ran out. Okay. They, Metallica may have been crying as well. And so I, I'm inquiring, what's going on? Are you okay? And she said, I was drinking my beer and I swallowed the lemon and From it got stuck beer. in my throat. Oh my God. And I'm waving my hands, at every, but everybody's waving their hands. <laughs> everybody's screaming. So she's choking. Did you help? So no, she was she she was talking to me at this point. So she, she had nothing in her. She de-choked. So she finally got it down. She came out to me and she said, "But I can't go back in." And then she showed me that she had peed her pants because she what do you was. Mean she showed you. Well, she had a sweatshirt in front of her. Yeah. And then she pulled it away and said, "I can't go back in. I peed my pants because I was choking and I was scared to death." Oh my god. So I said, hey, "Let's tie it around backwards. It stinks in there." She had. She went right back in. It's enjoy it's the rest of her concert. And it's black in there. No one's gonna see it, right? Yeah. It smells like pot. And she pee sounds like an exhibitionist. She sounds like she just spilled a beer, and she wanted you to look at her. Oh no! You're such a gentleman. She you had are. pee all over the front of her. I yeah. would, Who I, hasn't? I would have ignored. Who hasn't? Her. I, I've been there. You'd have I, ignored her. I. I would have. I would have been like, nah, move on, move on. But I guess it was your job. I. I. That's what I said, ma'am. It stinks in there. Tie it this way, go back in. And she did. If it hadn't been your job, would you or would you not have ignored her? Um, like if I a, probably would have. If a homeless man goes, hey, I peed on myself. <laughs> Why is right, that funny? Right, that's, that's, the, that's the face. Well, you go, yeah. 
Well, was the homeless man at the concert? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, good. Go back in. Because it was your job at the concert. Yeah, yeah. I think if somebody at, a, at an event like that came up to me, I would say yes. Put do your sweatshirt you, on and go back in. Do you owe other people assistance in life? Depends on the day. Let me tell you, first date with my wife, first date, there's a man whose car has a flat tire mm. in the parking garage mm -hmm. of the movie theater that we're going to. Mm. My date, who would become my wife, says, oh, my friend here, pointing to me, can help you change the tire. I swear to God, this is so embarrassing. I had never changed a tire in my this life. This would have been the best answer. Friend? <laughs> We're just friends. That's presumptuous. Whatever. Friend I was zoned. terrified of getting friend zoned. Yeah, it's horrible. But anyway, I I felt very resentful that she volu I felt a little honored too that she thought I was the kind of man who could change a tire. But you weren't that man. Noah, my dad had changed the three tires that I had ever had go flat. Well mm. into my twenties. So fast forward. Did you change the tire? No. I, what did you say? I said I have AAA. I can call them if you want. Can you use AAA for another car? <laughs> I don't know. He said no. That's okay. <laughs> How was the movie? Where is the story going? The, the, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. The, the, the movie was good. It was a, um, it was a musical, I think I remember. Mm. I was terrified to hold her hand. Terrified. Oh, yeah, you guys were just friends. Well, right. I didn't, I didn't make the move, either. I didn't try and uh, hold her hand or anything like what's that. What's going on in your body at that point? You're terrified to hold her mm. hand. Yeah. Have I, you never held a girl's well, hand before? Was this after the threesomes? So, it was after the threesomes. It was after a divorce. And that was it. You know, mm. it was like I had been out of the game for a while. Mm. I had actually gotten really, this is kind of weird. I had kind of gotten grossed out by women. You know that Weezer song off their second album, Pinkerton? It's the first song on it. It's called Tired of Sex. And he, mm. he yells, I'm tired, so tired of having sex. Mm. That's exactly what I felt like. And I just... God, I love Weezer. I wasn't into dating. I to see a Weezer again. show. Well, I just... She was such a nice person, and I really liked her. Mm. And it was a very pure kind of like. So much so that I was terrified to hold her hand. You know, I wasn't interested in sex and... Mm. Yeah. Never have so, that? So, um... No. <laughs> so what you're telling me so is... So we, we were talking about masculinity. That's right. Masculine. And say that again. Masculine. <laughs> masculinity. Masculine? <laughs> it's a new medicine <laughs> for hypertension. Yeah, masculinity. Yeah. Sounds um, like a makeup. Do you think it is either a shot in the arm mm. or a kick in the nuts? Yeah. For you to be able to or not to be able to so-called man jobs. Right, right. Yeah. This is a great question. And could I tweak that question just a bit? Is it the stuff that you do? Is it stuff that you can do? Is that masculinity? Yeah, or yeah, or you can't do, but not expected by yourself, but expected by, by others. Society. For a long time, I judged myself around that stuff. Yeah. And eventually, I, when I started to make pretty decent money at various occupations, I kind of got to that place where I was like, nah, I'm enough of a man where I can pay other men to do my job for me. Mm, but that's a, I mean, that's a, that's a something that is... That was valid. A masculine thing. I have money, I can take care of my family, I can, you know, right. order people around like Pharaoh. <laughs> you there! <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go retie my top knot. 
and I'll be out of here. What are you, what are you saying? No, I, I have Ferris, didn't oh, Ferris, Ferris have the... Yeah, that's right. They had the weird... Charlton Heston had one in, yeah. uh, in The Exodus. Or no, uh, Ten <laughs> Take everything personally. Like my, my world revolves around you and your top knot. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, I don't think masculine... I, okay, so, and Drew... Open you, up a pickle jar and you can't do it? I can oh. open up pickle jars like nobody's <laughs> business. I'm so good at that. I went to a, a so, summer fair. <laughs> All right, man. Okay. We had a pickle opening booth. <laughs> but Drew, for you, we've had conversations. Masculinity is kind of some stuff that you do, right? Like there's things that men do. Is that would that be accurate? Like chop wood. Hmm. You're nodding. Breathing heavy. I don't. <laughs> you exhaled. <laughs> I think that's manly. Uh, to chop wood. Yeah. I don't know any women that chop wood. I'm sure there are plenty. Oh, there's a couple. There's got to be. If you're a seven. woman, if you are a woman who chops wood, call in. So numbers five. <laughs> I'm gonna say we don't have a number. I, I don't know if it's the actual act, mm. but there are. There's behind it. There's provision, so there's you're providing some sort of heat, right? Yeah. You're keeping your family alive for the winter to come. There's some sort of forethought. Um, you're assertive the year before to chop down a you tree. Plan. You plan. It's planning, um, and it's all with this idea of keeping the family or the house or whatever mm -hmm. heated through yeah. the cold winter. So, and then there is the physical piece. Mm -hmm. uh, Why that is takes, that important? I think. I, to me, strength is becoming more and more important. Anyway, whether it's protection, or whether it's, um, I think a few podcasts back, you guys mentioned. But when a snowstorm comes, you want a man. You need somebody out there shoveling the snow. So there's, right. there's some. There is something about moving earth almost. Actually, one of the one of the folks I follow on Instagram. Uh, the Men Collective, they actually posted this question uh, today. Um, boy, I wish I could find it. But they, they actually said, uh, is, it, is it manly to be physical? That was kind of the gist of the question. And That seems biological to me. Men biologically are physical. They have chemicals pulsing through their body that I think make you more physical mm -hmm. and I, I mean think of aggression or uh, strength to me comes it comes out in strength I think I'm not sure that I have clear thoughts right now on that yeah what was it what was the statistics from uh, Sebastian Younger's book tribe he talked about that some disproportionately high number of the bystander rescues in the last hundred years of documented rescue so this mm -hmm. is you see someone drowning sure you go um, a disproportionately high number. I want to say it was like 85% were men. And a men shock, being rescued or men rescuing? rescuing. Men rescuing. Okay. And in fact, it was only a very small number of men and usually over the age of 70 mm. who were being rescued. Yeah. So overwhelmingly, men were doing this. And one of the reasons given was because body strength, upper body strength. Mm. Men had more of that capacity. And so they place themselves in danger. Plus, they have high risk um, uh, risk factors that uh, enable them to want to go, oh, I'm going to fucking lose my life. Cool, let's do it. But is that just, I mean, you know, the stupid guy running in going, I can save anybody? 
you know, well, yeah. just male arrogance. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a virtue. Okay. Strength. Explain. You know, when I think of a virtue, it's something that you practice and you plan for, and then when the time is needed, it's almost it's almost natural. Mm. Think of the guy on the Hudson River that was flying the plane. He he did. He practiced flying. He had all sorts of things that he did, many things that he did for um, his entire career. And then when it comes down to, I have no engines. Mm. He's he's calm. He's cool and he glides it into the water rather than freaks out. So I think of it that way as a virtue. It's a strength, you, you're, um, you're doing some sort of strength exercise, um, even martial arts or it, something. Right. So that when the time comes and it's, oh God, that woman is drowning in a car, you have some skill around that and that kicks into gear and naturally you go and you have some strength mm -hmm. or you have some endurance, you have something to actually get shit done rather than just talking about it forever and then when the time comes you freeze I think what's interesting about that is that strength is so um, non-egalitarian right you have to you ha <laughs> it's not equally distributed you have to work for it right if you want strength if someone someone who works at being strong will become strong over time Whereas the person who never works out, who never approaches that, will progressively become weaker, right? So it's very, it's very merit oriented. Is, um, but do you, do you think that being mentally strong is also tied to being physically strong? Because here's the thing, right. you get people that are quadriplegics that could be mentally. A, Stephen an, Hawking, an, for an, an animal. Yeah. An absolute beast, but. Yeah, we were talking about that last week about, like, what I what I think is, I don't know, I, I find it fascinating that of people that are strong in their in their trade mm. or strong just in like the gym. You ever like you ever like shake a hand of a farmer? Oh yeah, and, <laughs> big sausage. And you know mix. they're just crazy strong because just of what they do yeah. all the time. Pulling turnips compared to. I had a friend when, when I was younger. It was we're we gonna get his, back to this. That we it was were talking his about? dad. Yeah, back, yeah. Back. It was his dad, and he was a butcher. Oh yeah, and he yeah, was yeah. just, I mean, Meaty super hands. strong hands. You know, God. you just knew he's a, a tough guy. Yeah, you know, but, but was he mentally strong? Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, also. and you could tell that. You know, he, I think you can tell if someone's mentally a pretty strong. Trifecta right there. There's only two, physically strong and I don't mentally. Know what I, I don't want to double fact. Yeah, he's kind of handsome, I guess. <laughs> he can dance. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, okay, so this is this is actually my question, and, and I, I posted this uh, today because this is really interesting to me. I know a lot of these guys who I, I kind of jokingly label as the pro bros, and they're constantly pushing, you know, kettlebells and barbells, and I'm going to do my Brazilian jiu-jitsu today, fuck you. You know, I mean, like, really intense people. Mm -hmm. But but also, like, genuinely, clearly egotistical, clearly fragile, taking it personally when someone disagrees mm -hmm. with them. And I'm like, you're not mentally tough. Right. You can't take a hit emotionally. Mm -hmm. I fucking can take a hit emotionally. Now, if you punch me, I'm going to fold, but... But, you know, I think right. there is a difference, actually, between emotional toughness, resiliency, and physical toughness or resiliency. If you had to pick one. Why, why, wouldn't, why wouldn't you try to take both? 
Unless yeah. you're in a wheelchair. Yeah. Obviously, you, you, you don't have that choice. Yeah. yeah. I think... Uh, yeah, I mean, there's but, weak spots everywhere. Do you, you is know? there? A, do you have a particular bent towards or issue with physical strength and masculinity going together? Do I have an issue with it? Are you pissed off? Yeah. <laughs> I did bring boxing gloves tonight. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I know. Nick was like, are you going to hit me during the podcast? Uh, and sure enough, he did. <laughs> um, no, I just... Uh... Is that too... Is that like traditional, cliche masculinity I just think if I just think if you're physically strong it doesn't mean your body is strong well, explain Does that, make that. Sense? okay no, so um, in high school I trained with a guy a guy started training me weightlifting stuff wow. like that he was an Olympic powerlifter Wow um, so super strong guy could lift crazy weight very very strong had had a Brain issue, something, a stroke or something like that, weak. and just very weak. debilitated him. Oh, so I mean, bad joke there. I don't know. Super insensitive. <laughs> but someone that's super mentally strong, the opposite of you know, the flat built douchebags that are out there going, "Yeah, I'm super strong. I'm super strong." It's like, oh, you're not that strong. You're not that great. And they just cower and they're done. Right. You know. I, I think like, it's a good mix. I think it has to be a good mix of. People that are physically strong, mentally strong. Where I like the physical strength piece is, um, boy, I have this I have this habit of talking about friends who probably will listen to the podcast at some point in time, and then and then be like, "You fucking outed me anonymously, you dick." <laughs> but anyway, I'm still gonna. I said your name was Rick. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm gonna share the story anyway. Um, so I have a friend who he he actually inadvertently busted a terrorist. A terrorist mm. plot. It was really intense. And he did so by, it was like he was on social media and some guy was making some kind of threatening statements. And he, my buddy, sent a message to a, a friend he had in the fucking CIA. And they oh. actually responded. They sent a SWAT team to this guy's. A year later, he's standing trial. and I mean, just a really intense wow. situation. And someone commented to my friend, I think I'm going to get this wrong, but someone commented, um, wow, way to really handle that in a nonviolent way. And my buddy's mm. like, I didn't handle it in a nonviolent way. I just, I just diverted to <laughs> someone else who handled it violently. I mean, right. so I think sometimes strength works like that for me, that sometimes in our modern society, we imagine that strength doesn't matter because we don't have to be strong, but somebody's being strong on our behalf, mm -hmm. right? Like if, if some guy comes up to my family in the alleyway, if I feel weak and passive and like I can't do anything about it, I'm calling the cops who will be aggressive on my behalf. And I feel like we farmed out strength, maybe even violence. Um, as a society. Violence. Yeah, because there's huge backlash if you do anything. Abs even down to, like, grade school. Yeah, yeah. Well, not just backlash, there's the law. Yeah. Yeah, what's that definition? I think James C. Scott, the anthropologist, said the definition of government is the monopolization of violence. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. like, they've got the monopoly on violence. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so, transition back, quick question. Uh, mental toughness in our modern culture with social media, are we less mentally tough? Mm -hmm. And when I say that, I'm specifically thinking, you post something on Instagram and you get a handful of people that 
have some sort of negative comment towards that. Mm -hmm. um, without social media, without the internet, you don't hear those comments mm -hmm. unless it's somebody telling you face to face, You're which right. is probably within your tribe, which means you probably then respect hopefully them respect more. them yeah. more mm -hmm. versus Joe Schmo on the East Coast. Well, it's so deceptive because I've, I've accepted this person as my follower or as my friend and the languaging is, oh, this person is in my tribe. This person mm -hmm. is in my group. And now they're saying this horrible, shitty thing about me. And so the feeling is the same as if, as if it, it was someone who was close to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a very deceptive emotion, like shame or, or aggression. All those things come out in me. And I don't even fucking know the dude. He's some guy in Austria. I'm going to fuck you up. <laughs> right. So, I mean, huh. but are they in your tribe? It's a false clan. They're in your Instagram you tribe. Think? Absolutely. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's so, so easy to my care. my question, out of sight, out of mind, no social media, doesn't really matter, because no one says so anything. So you would have more right. mental yeah. toughness then yeah. at that point. Well, You'd but, have more mental strength. But the other thing, mm. to your point about strength, and, and maybe this goes a little to aggression and violence, there was a study done in children in Burundi, and what it showed is that the children who had the most trauma and yet who experienced a lack of traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. So the people who were the most resilient also were the most aggressive and the most violent. Mm -hmm. Which as it is to say, people who are more aggressive, people who actually are more violent are also more resilient. So maybe as our society shrinks back from aggression, we're actually losing toughness and resiliency to get through hard shit in life. And we don't need the toughness, it doesn't seem like, in a lot of areas. I think the mental toughness... When I think of physical strength and toughness, there's not a, we're not all going to war, we're not all fighting our mm -hmm. own battles. But some, anyways, but the, the mental toughness, it's still there. But we're all seem, we all seem like sissies. Yeah. That's a hard word right there. I could often look it up in the dictionary. You know, it, it is hard. I mean, I, <clears throat> I don't want to out my kids here because I think it's developmentally and age appropriate. But my 13-year-old tonight told me, God, this is a parenting fail moment. Anyway, same kiddo I took to the Smashing Pumpkins concert. Mm -hmm. Loved each other. So exciting. Tonight, <laughs> drunk lady had a good Drunk time. lady crushing <laughs> on him. So... He tells me tonight he I've wants to be. You. <laughs> <laughs> it's creepy, Dad. So he tells me that he wants to be. He did drama last year. He actually got a starring role in drama. Awesome. Super kid, awesome. great performer. Great. This year he says, "I want to be a stagehand." Oh, great! I go, why? Well, because it was a lot of pressure last mm -hmm. year, and it was a. I had a lot of anxiety, and I'm like, "But you're so talented." Well, Dad, I want. He starts sobbing. <coughs> he starts sobbing because I'm not respecting his opinion in that moment. I'm like, dude, I have a different opinion than you. He's like, but I respect your opinion and it's different than mine. And I totally get it. I uh, totally get it. He placed a large degree of his identity in whatever I was going to reflect to him. Mm -hmm. But still, I'm like, come on, be able to hold a different perspective than yeah. me and not weep publicly about it. Where were you guys Or at? push back. I know. That's what yeah. I told them. I said, are you openly weeping on this? So, I would like to hear more about that. Or maybe your perspective on that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to push your kids into something that you feel is good for them. I know. 
that they don't feel either passionate about or they have some reservation about. Some kind of resistance. And then, but you also want you also want your kid to s- stand up for themselves. That's it. And so maybe that's what you were kind of pushing for, mm-hmm. and he wasn't getting that. He wasn't getting that memo. Absolutely. And, and so, I don't think he was actually. Oh, why do you want to be a stagehand? It was. Yeah. Stand up for yourself, man. Stand up for what you're telling me. Exactly. And let me know why. I want you to prove to me why yeah, you want to do he this. He needed to push, push back. back. He needed to push back on you. And he wasn't having it. Because he's right. a 13-year-old kid. But, well, that's right. But those are also skills that you want him to, to hone in, right? You want him to be um, able to deal with the anxiety, mm-hmm. uh, the stress of being on stage. So was that a if, conversation Because if you're afterwards? running from those, okay, then... I mean, I'm sure hopefully those skills will be built elsewhere. So, but I think it's the pushback, it's that conversation that you mm-hmm. were looking for. Yeah. Instead of, well, don't just start crying on me. I don't like it I when people that. fold on me. You know, I, 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 I like to, eight. I like to pick a little. That's an eight. I know. It's and we, and we don't like weak people. And maybe that's the difficulty. Well, okay, so let me, let me ask you. So both of you guys have kids. Mm. Drew, you've got daughters. Mm. And so I've got three boys and a girl. I gotta tell you, very mm-hmm. different experience with girls, at least in my case. Yeah. It, Drew, what is it like raising girls? Are they way more fragile? Well, I don't know. I don't have anything to compare them. Are to. they fragile? <laughs> I, th- I think it depends on where they're at developmentally. Mm. Safe, safe answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, where I'm at now, I think they seem fragile. At, at times, but but I don't have a boy next to him to compare it to. Yeah. So, um, well, Nick, you do. Yeah, and I think I think from you, you got know, a boy and Drew, a girl, right? Boy and a girl. But I mean, you know, Drew and I will will get together, families, and you know, have our kids all you know pal around. And you, you what? You get together without without me? Yeah. Oh God. Um, Every weekend. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Hold it in. Don't invite Rainier. <laughs> Stay strong. <laughs> I want to be a stage Don't cry on your show. own podcast. Um, so you get together. Yeah, but uh, I mean, his girls are very different from each other. Mm. I mean, there's strong personalities in all of them. Mm-hmm. But um, I think my boy is a lot more sensitive than my girl is. Wait, 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 wait. He, he's the emotionally sensitive older. one? Older. He's older? Yeah. But he's... he's all, I think this is normal in boys at this age. And I don't know that. How, so, old, is, how old is your boy? Nine. Okay. I yeah. think the testosterone level drops. Right. Until they start to hit puberty. It, it yeah. cranks up again. So I think this is natural. I think that's a normal place. Yeah. I've been looking into it a little but bit. But my boy's very... I mean... He actually may be emotionally sensitive. Oh, Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm sure of it. Yeah. Or my girl is not. She's aggressive. Gosh, she's a battering mm. ram. She's a redhead. I don't know. I don't know if aggressive is the word. I think just very. I think she's very sure of herself and what's going on, and is able to filter like, eh, who cares? I'll try that. You know, or my boy's like. My ice cream fell off my cone. He's this gonna weep is catastrophic. <laughs> my world will end, and then he'll be fine about it, you know, later. Right. So, I mean, it's yeah, it's it's very different to 
to navigate. And we had talked about our last one. Yeah. Did we, or we talked about where my wife and I are second siblings. We did, I don't know if we actually brought okay. this up on the podcast. Okay, so, and you can chime in with it, Drew. Mm. So, my wife and I are second. second. You're a second? I'm a second. So, a, well, he's got twin girls, though. I'm a distant so that's youngest. interesting how that would work out. So, uh, my wife and I, trying to raise a firstborn, very we think is very challenging yeah. because, you know. Now, are you second youngest or second? Second youngest. Okay. No, 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 no. You, there's the a, there's someone younger than you. No, no. I am the youngest okay. of two. Okay. And my wife, the youngest of two. But oh. being the youngest, you're saying it was challenging raising... Raising a firstborn. First first yeah. Not as challenging raising no. number two. But is that just a number two child? Well, wait, a lot easier? Wait till she's older. I, I do think there is something to birth order. <laughs> I'll be out of there by she's then. <laughs> Our middle two, so the two that fall right in the middle, uh-huh. so we've got four... This is your children, or you're, you're talking about you? No, my, my children. Your children. So okay. we've got four kids. Right. The the oldest and the youngest, take them out of the picture, the two middle kids, they work their asses off for everything. They are so merit-based. Mm. And I have to think it's because the oldest has a degree of entitlement, and, and we reinforce mm. it. We want to reinforce his position in the house. We, hey, this is the oldest brother. We, we give him right. a lot of honor like that. <laughs> he and the youngest first. just gets away with you know, murder. murder, literally. Yeah. yeah. Actually, it rhymes with his name, murder. Anyway, <laughs> but but yeah. We, he brings a dead cat. You couldn't to the name him murder. Like, he could, he could oh. bring a dead cat. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. And, but those middle two, they will do whatever it takes to prove themselves worthy. They are such hard workers, and talk about emotional toughness. It's crazy, and I wonder if that's Where do they kind of, get that, though? Well, I think it's the, Just pr- to, well, I gotta prove myself. I don't, have a, I don't have a designated role that entitles me to something. Is that a nature thing or is that just environmental? I think that's environmental. I think it's social. I think yeah. we've conditioned them to be better. So is there some sort of balance we're going for here then? Peace, man. <laughs> I'll take a couple horns for you to toot. Take over the earth, man. <laughs> yeah, that's why they're the best ever in the history of children. Well, it's true, though. The, the second oldest, he tried out for football this last year. And kind of a sad moment, he... Uh, he tried out, and he he just wasn't as good. Mm-hmm. And maybe you heard me talking about this last. He he just wasn't as good. And and the coach said, "Well, I'm going to put in my son as the the starter instead of you." And you know that could have just to crushed him. Yeah. Wow. And so he's what not going dick. in as much. And you know what he did? He's like, "Fine, I'm going to work harder." So he came home. Fine, he I'm going to kill out. that kid. He asked <laughs> Tanya Harding. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, he came home, he worked out, he kept running um, drills to improve his, his time, mm-hmm. his response time. He goes back, he's the starter now. And by himself he did he that. Beat, yeah. Wow. He beat out the coach's son. Wow. The coach can't even put in his boy because mine's like kicking his ass. It's now crazy. Christmases are awkward at the old not coach's me. That house. Would not have... <laughs> that, that's your oldest child. It's the second oldest. Second oldest. Would the oldest do that? Never. He what hits that resistance wall, bam. That's that. Is the oldest the one that is, look, is the play? He's wanting He's to be the player. stage hand. Oh yes, he wants to be the stage hand, hmm. and so I want to push him. Like, no, you can, you can push through this. You can, you can overcome hard shit. Hmm. You can try something and meet pressure and and do it. Hmm. <laughs> He'd be more like your uh, Joe Namath brother here. 
Uh, is that what you say? Totally. Joe at the record. Like, yeah, you'll be like Joe Namath. He's like, who's Joe Namath? Well, you know, he, uh, about it. he's feeling compared all the time, probably. All the time. To his younger brother. But, you know, kids, they're just so different, and they have so many different strengths and values. It's beautiful to watch, but it is different with different kids. But, see, the mental toughness, I think, is pretty equal on those playing fields. Okay. Being the lead of a... You know, of a play for how long? How yeah. long did high school plays it, run? It lasted a long time. And then, you know, football guy. Oh, I yeah. think those are very equal. Physical versus mental yeah. toughness. Yeah, I think those are very but equal. It's interesting but it's reactions. mental mental. Yeah. I mean, it's mental mental. They're I mean, both tough in different ways. Yeah. Mentally. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting the one rises when he doesn't get what he wants. So, and but the other why one is it so. Even when he gets what he wants true. because of the pressure. But why is it so much more accepted that he's playing football? Yeah. Why is that so much more accepted than this kid grinding out being a stagehand and doing really hard work? I know. And you know, he, and so in his pitch to be a stagehand afterwards, and this got me, he said, Dad, like, I can be creative. I can build stuff. Yes. I can support others. Isn't that cool? And I'm like, oh, you make a good case. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. But he didn't do that right away. He didn't. But once he he dialed in his case, I was like, okay, that's good. He pushed back. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And that's what I wanted. Yeah. Because I think, um, you know, you're definitely going to be, I think he probably had a a way that conversation was going to go, mm-hmm. and it didn't go that way, because yes. he wanted your support, and he wanted your, um, you know, yeah, go ahead, great, perfect, fantastic, you know. He placed and, a value judgment on what he was saying pretty quickly. Oh, which is always going to be a, <laughs> a terrible thing to do, because you have... Hey, this is the way it's going to go, and then it doesn't go that way. And you're Don't call just, me a dick. And you're destroyed. Don't call me a dick. I won't. Just terrible. <laughs> but no, I mean, I think that's true. I think I probably did place a snap judgment on it really quickly. But do you and think... And he felt that. But do you think you're so, yay, for... What? For Second Son. Yeah. And... Well... Because... Prob- because yeah. you're more into that... I'm not into football. Well, maybe. Competition. Okay, so, so Carl Jung, he says that children live the unlived lives of their parents. Mm. And you know what? I didn't do good at football. Right. I actually met the resistance line, and it was so too you're... much for me. I fell backwards. I didn't work hard. Yeah. And so you're right. I admire like, it. Yes. I'm like, fuck, that's awesome. I wish I would have done that. He's well, you don't admire a stage him. You do now, now that he told you what he's doing. When he pushed back, I started yeah. to admire. I'm like, yeah. okay, I get it now. Good. So how would you handle that differently if he were to come to you now and say, this whole thing unfolded yeah. again? Or would you do it the same? I want to be a writer for the play. I want to be whatever for the... I mean, would you feel Would you feel the same way? I don't know. He set it up, though. <laughs> he didn't sell it right. He didn't <laughs> sell it right. Hey, buddy boy. <laughs> Look, if you're going to do a pitch like that... Once you go to Shark Tank and then come back, it's all about angle. <laughs> it's all about angle. God. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It, That's tough, man. That's tough. It is. There was a um, a book by one of the. He was the leading psychologist for many years in the '70s, and he wrote a memoir called The Listener. Mm. And he tells about his growing up, and he tells how his father got tuberculosis, mm. and he was dying over the course of the summer. And the day he gets out of school, his father, who would sleep out on the porch to get air, because mm-hmm. it was hot and it was in the 1930s and it was in the South, his dad would sleep out on the porch. His dad calls him uh, to the porch and says, in the morning, I want you to come, before you do anything else, I want you to come see me. 
before mm. you go out and play for the summer, you know? And he goes to the porch in the morning, and the dad says, I want you to cut the grass mm. today before you go play baseball. And the boy, he's a 12-year-old boy, says, okay, dad. And the dad says, I want you to use the scissors mm. to cut the grass. Mm -hmm. And the boy says, but that'll take me forever. And he said, I'd like you to do it anyway. And so he cut it, he began to cut it, and then he comes back like, you know, by noon, and the dad says, no, I want you to cut the whole field. And so he goes, and what he describes is his entire summer, his dad refused to let him do anything but cut the grass with these scissors, mm. little shears, right? And he's sobbing and he eventually collapses and he goes to his dad and says, you goddamn son of a bitch, I hope you die. Mm. He's yelling at him and his dad just is silent. He says, go to bed. And the next day, his dad wakes him up in the morning and his dad has actually come up to his room. Tremendous exertion of, and he shakes him and says, I just want to say that if I had more time to teach you the lessons I want to teach you, mm. I would go slower. But I don't have enough time. I want you to work hard because that's all that's going to matter in life. And he said, I learned from my dad toughness that mm. summer. But man, that's an intense lesson. Mm. And he hated his dad for sure. it. Sure. Fucking scissors on the lawn. I hate him. <laughs> I know. Just the story I don't like. And, and I mean, Does the story continue? Is he a tough kid at that point? No. What he did, well, I mean, <laughs> he became a psychologist. He's not that tough. Yeah. Well, mentally. He fucking bansies. Mentally, <laughs> mentally tough. Yeah, he, well, he did. And he learned yeah. how to, like, lock down his emotions and probably process a lot of did stuff. Did the kid know that his dad was dying? He knew that his dad was oh, dying. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Which is what made his insults so intense. Right. I don't know. There's I mean, got to be a better way of doing that. No. That's the only way. <laughs> Okay, so go back to go back to strength, and I want to like deviate just a little, because to me, strength and violence go together. They do because, you know, strength, the more violent, the, the stronger you are. I think that strength is the capacity to do violence. Right, it's the capacity to finish a fight. If you're strong, you can end it. You may not start it, but you can end it. Um. I'll rebuttal you. Oh, good. Um, I'm going to light my cigar. I would say, I don't know nature that well, male grizzly bear, female grizzly bear, cubs around, female grizzly bear will tear a city block apart for her cubs. That's a great point. So, I mean, if you're comparing strength, like might or... Mm -hmm. The ability to manipulate whatever. Right. I mean, you hear you hear stories of, you know, women guarding their children from something or taking God knows a fucking what. car. Yeah, yeah. I mean, killing a guy or choking out a guy, whatever. Mm -hmm. Just because of that, the violence. Right. So I don't, I mean I don't know I I don't yeah, I don't no doubt think women go, can be. Yeah. But you're saying strength and violence just go peanut butter and jelly. For me, I mean, I don't yeah. know. What do you think, Drew? Yeah. I don't know why else. Uh, so what is? what do you mean by violence? To another person? Yeah, well, right. Well, Not to a wall. Solely? Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, maybe to defend, maybe mm-hmm. to protect, mm-hmm. to take what you want. So then, yeah, what would the, what would be <laughs> Rape, the point? pillage. What would be? We <laughs> 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 live in the piracy, <laughs> piracy, Vikings. What would Medieval be the point days? of having strength if you if it wasn't for those things? Well, I mean, that's that's it, right? Like. I'm the best pickle jar. But, but <laughs> back to the pickle jars. Yeah, it's I can open so many pickle jars. It's ridiculous. I can open so many pickle jars. Goddamn pickle jar opener. So strong. Yeah, but I mean, isn't there something? This is why so many movies focus on the military, right? Or like the Navy SEALs, the Marines. Like this is why they're interesting, isn't mm-hmm. it? Because they're they're not only incredibly strong, they're well-oiled machines of men. And Mentally tough. And they're meant to, they're There's meant a different to culture to. there too. Yeah, There's a brotherhood. A, an, yes, an honor bro- yes. culture. Mm-hmm. You ain't dying without me next to you dead. They're like the you know last I mean? of the warrior yeah. culture, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. In modern day times. Yeah. It, isn't that inspiring at all? It's really inspiring to me. Me too. It's scary to me. <laughs> it's scary to you. Yeah. Eights are scared of getting hurt physically. Did you know that? No. You're huh. terrified. Yeah. But no, I, I read that. I stubbed my toe. We're it's talking over. about the Enneagram again, by the way. I, this is just, it's always fascinating to meet with other people who are into the Enneagram. So I think anytime I get around these guys, it's always interesting to talk what about. What is the, um, what was the. Why, why are eights afraid mm-hmm. of physical. Well, eights are so embodied. They are so physical, is what's interesting about it. And they exert tremendous force of will. Like, just, we mm. move, like, eights tend to have even larger torsos and, and are. are Bigger people in Do you general. physically move things? I, I physically move shit. You do. Even, yeah. Professionally. <laughs> Randomly. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I mean, I don't I'm know. moving this grandfather clock. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I'm an eight. That's what I do. <laughs> Damn it. It's in my blood. But, but, eights are scared of or worried about getting, taking physical hits. Even mm. though they're very embodied people, very lusty, very earthy people, lusty. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird word. They're super. Let's go that direction. They're super lusty. I mean, are are you are you scared? Of, do getting, I want to get hit? No. Right. So, like, knowing that Drew <laughs> have brought boxing gloves. Oh yeah. Have you never ever been? Ever. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> Here's my backup plan. I haven't have to. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, cool guy. That's it. All right, you're Game out. over. No, I've never been in a fight, ever. Did you just talk your way out of it? Nope. Never came close. Never came close. Really? Yeah. Wow. What are you around fighting people for? You feel prepared and if somebody's after your family? Somebody breaks into your oh, house. Oh, yeah. What's yeah. your move? Uh, kill them? Yeah, I mean, are you are you shooting for the leg? So what I recently heard was that men who, yes. do, or women for that matter, who do not practice these things, when that time comes, they don't perform. No, oh, I'll run. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> your pants. I'm out of here. Which is why I talk about it as a virtue, something you practice and you practice and you practice and you, you gain strength and you gain skill. Then when the time comes, it's almost natural. Right. It's crazy to train for something that you hope never happens. But that is probably precisely the best argument for it. Yeah. And, you, al- and almost oh, everybody sure. I've yeah. heard talk about it, Joe yeah. Rogan, you yeah. hope this never... Well, this, the, you uh, hope it's something that never has to happen. Yeah, I mean, all the, the gamers just recently at the mm. the gaming thing and the big shooting. You hear I, about that? I don't, oh, in Florida. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Guy yeah. comes in. Guys, loses, are, just, comes guys are playing Madden. 
That's right. It's not even a shooting you, you game. You hear it, and you hear it over the. Did you? Because they're doing. Did you a, listen to it? Yeah, because they're doing a cast, a, like a yeah. simulcast of it. Right. And they're watching everything, and sure enough, you hear. How it. many people got killed? About four. Two. Two. Oh wow. And I think nine Two. people maybe yeah. got injured. I, I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't I bet they were Reimer, really good at Call of Duty. Reimer, Reimer, oh, it was Madden. It was Madden. So football. Fake football. Fake. <laughs> No, but good for them. Good th for them for doing what they do. But that is interesting. That is how that is how today we express aggression, right? We we go, we video game it, or we watch it on you know sports news, mm -hmm. or or we pull out a gun and have an unfair fight. Absolutely. You put down that gun and have a fair fight with me, <laughs> sir. I'm gonna puff my white glove and slap across the face. Hey, come on, think about it. If you're trying to gain strength, and you walk up to a guy with a gun, there's it's like that Indiana no Jones movie. All right, arm wrestling. <laughs> Ready, go. <laughs> yeah, it's not a fair fight. So, I mean, yeah. But, but I don't find myself, and I think Nick's going to disagree, I don't find myself wanting to shoot more guns and carry, mm. which I don't think is... I, I'm fine if you do, but to but me, it's not... In, no, it's not that interesting. It's more interesting to build my s physical strength mm -hmm. and be able to protect somebody or help somebody physically... Versus pulling out a gun, but I yeah. think Nick Nick's gotten more and in, more into guns. We've yeah. been shooting a few times. Yeah. It's um, I don't know. I don't I don't really have like a a super desire to you know. What's I, the I deep desire to carry a gun? Do Do you carry? I. Are you carrying right now? I'm not yeah. carrying right now. Thank God. That's but if I was, I wouldn't tell you. I have some airsoft guns here. Cool. Yeah, Let's do that. Single pump action. Oh. <laughs> single bullet headshot. <laughs> uh, no, it just I I think of it maybe as insurance. But you know, I have a my brother-in-law was you know a, a cop for a really long time, and you know, and I was like, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? He's like. Yeah, it's, you know, I'm always checking exits and, you know, and where I'm sitting and, you know, that kind of stuff. And, you know, I started thinking about that stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, that is kind of <laughs> kind of weird. And so it kind of just kind of, I don't know if it messes with your head, but you start thinking about things sort differently. Sort of that domino effect. I do it right, too now after hanging right. out with him. Because I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have my back this way. And, yeah. you know, do I know an exit to get out of here if something was to happen? Man, I always um, fucking think of that shit. That's why I never go to movies anymore. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, you're... You're that, sitting duck. You're sitting... Literally. You're a duck. Yeah, and that's... <laughs> and the way things are going nowadays... Hmm. Dude, it's it's terrible. It's You're more it's likely to get hit by lightning than to get into a mass shooting. Really? It's just like very low. <laughs> it's just... Lately? <laughs> it's just broadcast all I'm over the news. the news. Yeah. <laughs> they say that every time. I know. All right, guys. Just to let you know. <laughs> Statistically. There was another school shooting, Jeez. but... Don't worry. You Dude, should they, get hit by lightning before that happens. <laughs> they closed down our entire neighborhood. They put a, a, a SWAT team closing down our entire neighborhood uh, when we lived downtown because there was a man armed with a knife. Mm, a butter man, knife? A man armed with a knife. There were literally SWAT teams with dogs and open machine guns yeah. walking around. So we had the same thing happen right down from the coffee shop that there was there was a guy with a gun. But he was an active shooter, but oh yeah. You know, and they shut down a huge intersection. 
here. And I'm like, what do you think about that? Are, are we, I mean, is this an example of, of lack of mental toughness that we're so terrified of that? I'm terrified of being in a mass shooting. Yeah, but didn't we used to just call it like you I'm know, terrified like a to get a movie? call from like my school, my kid's school, and going, "There's an active shooter." Oh yeah, fuck. I you know what I mean? Like that—that totally. that terrifies me more than anything. Yeah. More than anything. Because it's your kids. Right. Yeah. Right. I, dude, I don't. But what? we what work in such do? public areas that, that I mean that can happen. You get a you get a weirdo. Where get I get a weirdo. Where I work. Uh, all the salesmen carry mm. heat, and they pack it in their crotches. It's yeah. really appendix, weird. Appendix carry. Is that what, what it's called? Call that. Yeah. Well, your appendix. Yeah. That is, it's a, such an old way to carry a weapon. It feels like it could really hurt themselves. Yeah, there's very <laughs> different ways and, you know, different holsters and stuff that, you know, guys have to yeah. move around. But you think of... Um, Gosh, old generals. Their sword. Oh, yeah. Their sword's oh, right there. Yeah. That's an appendix. Also be painful. Yeah. I mean, they're that's not an driving appendix cars. Carry. That's what that's called. Yeah. That worked Inside as long we were their doing. clothing? Yep. Inside the waistband appendix. It carry. worked as long as we were riding With the horses. Sword? Yeah. But not like not into inside the pants. their pants, like in their belt. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like they'd have a sheath, sure. you know, and. Okay, so I, I was reading this this book, which actually had to do with spirituality, but I think there's a crossover here. The author's name was Patrick Arnold, and he said, uh, he was talking about spiritual men, but I like this. Real spiritual men have been taught to abandon most of the values and enterprises nearest to men's hearts biologically and historically. Competition, fighting, sexual expressiveness, generativity, economic productivity, adventure, autonomy in favor of a eunuch's existence. Mm. Saying that we've had our cocks cut off. That's a that's a intense quote. Oh. Yeah. You're cockless. No. Well, there might have been some sort of predisposition to cancer in the prostate. <laughs> Just like any now male, I'll go. I'll take three of those. <laughs> that's fine. You know, you pick and choose of what you really want to. But dude, what, what you just said, Drew, that is it. That is it. We are so terrified culturally. That, that this junk that we carry, this testosterone in this case, uh, will bite us culturally in the ass that we are actually cutting it off right now. We are cutting it off. Men's experience, well, our historic approach is getting cut off. It's biting men in the ass all the time right? in the culture we live in. And not to say it's good what's happening mm. in a lot of... It, this goes back to things that you've talked about, I think we may have talked about, uh, and I don't remember if you said this a while back, but you you can't really be a gentleman until you've learned to be a dangerous man. Uh, well, then you can actually be a gentleman. Did you say that? Where did that come from? No, I think that was uh, Ryan Mickler, maybe, the Order of Men. Like, you find that limit of what you shouldn't do? <laughs> And then, yeah, you, and then back yeah. it off a little bit. Yeah, maybe. then yeah. you control it. You learn yeah. to control it. It, mm. it. it actually kind of reminds me of an indigenous culture. Uh, the role of the shaman was at the very mm. edge of the village, mm -hmm. and they were seen as dangerous people because they were in communion with the forest gods and the forest spirits, but they were also still in the village somewhat, but they were dangerous. Mm. And I do think there's something inherently manly in my mind about that role that... 
I, I do think that men should live and be dangerous to some extent. I, I want to be identified as that. Maybe like it or not, I'm at times identified as, as dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I think it's so different now to compare to what it used to be or, you know, right. indigenous clans or whatever they are. It's, it's, our, it's our society now. Yeah, but we fucking, one big snowstorm. Like, seriously, I mean, I don't, I, Y2K didn't happen, but something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. We can't go on biggering forever, and at that point, you know, when the, when the media shuts off, it's going to be the strong people who are going to have the edge. Yeah, take that. <laughs> put, that in, put that in your <laughs> Gandalf pipe and smoke it. Fucker. <laughs> Which is why you prepare. Which is why you prepare. But I, I listened to Joe Rogan podcast today with uh, Valentine, mm. Valentine, depending yeah. on what country you're in. I think um, she was fascinating because oh, a she, woman, a woman, and she she retired very early from being a lawyer and became a professional spearfisher. Hmm. And she said probably ten times in the podcast, I just love providing my own food. Mm-hmm. And I'm fascinated by that because I don't hunt. I, I went fishing once. We didn't catch anything. Catch it. <laughs> nothing? Thing. Nope, no. caught nothing. This was recent. You this guys was Sunday. recent fishing mm-hmm. trip. Sunday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What were you trying to catch? The salmon were flowing anything. all over the place. <laughs> Goddamn anything. <laughs> Minnow. God. We did catch a lot of grass. Black. Moss. Weed? Yeah, a lot of weed. <laughs> not that um, but I don't know that. That's not something I grew up doing. I still don't do. I get all my meat from the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Right. Aisle nine. And yeah. I'm I, I, in a snowstorm, we're all screwed. Have you thought about that? <laughs> have you thought about what yeah, happens? Yeah, you watch The Walking I don't know Dead. How <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. Okay, so is this not why these shows are so popular and maybe even especially with men? Because we see that and we go... Ah, fuck, what we really need is a reset because then I'd be valuable again. Mm. I've got to think that that's why we're so attracted to these shows because they they show society getting reset Mm -hmm. and us being valuable again. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, my my emotions would be valuable. My sense of mastery would be valuable. My courage, right? All of it. I could count Mm because we don't anymore. You don't. Count? Oh. You don't count. One. It certainly feels like that. <laughs> yeah, you don't. That's it. Matter. You have to one. That's it. One. You're right. I don't count. <laughs> well, okay. So both of you are in the service industry, right? And I am. I am so intrigued by the service industry in particular because, to me, and I know that Nick, you said this isn't the case, but.